Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, welcome to Fruit Snacks. I'm going to start today's episode off with a question. When you are in church singing during worship, do you think about what you're singing, the actual lyrics, the words that you're singing? Do you think about whether or not they're biblical? Do you think about whether or not they are helpful within the context of corporate worship or not? Or do you just sing what's put on the screen? I asked this question because that's the topic of today's episode, thinking more critically about what we sing. So a little bit of background. Worship music is for almost every church and denomination in the world a part of the church service. And worship throughout much of the history of the church was a primary means of teaching theology. We see early hymns actually even recorded in Scripture in places like 1 Timothy 3.16, 2 Timothy 2.11-13, and Titus 3.4-7. And there are many, many more places like those, dozens in fact, where we see evidence of early creedal statements which were very likely sung or put to some sort of singing, chanting, or music in the early church. Now, why would the early church start something like this? Well, worship were early hymns and creedal traditions being chanted or or sung to served multiple purposes in the early church context. First of all, it overcame memory issues Singing a song or learning a lyric in the context of music makes a certain truth or statement that you're singing easier to recall and remember. I can still remember uh, songs that have been stuck in my head since I was a kid. In fact, the other day, a few weeks ago, I actually was putting the kids to bed and a song that I haven't heard in probably 25 years just randomly popped into my head and I remember the lyrics perfectly. And I looked at my wife dumbfounded that, where did that even come from? So songs clearly have a memory uh, attachment to them that other, uh, other forms of teaching just don't. The other thing that it overcame in the early church is illiteracy issues. Whereas uh, by today's standards, the literacy rate would have been considerably lower in the ancient world, although in the Jewish context, uh, there would have been a higher literacy rate than average in the ancient world. Illiteracy was still a problem, especially as the gospel spread throughout the Roman Empire and beyond. And so by singing truth, you overcome the need to read it and interpret what's, uh, what's on the page if that's not a skill that a person possesses. And we see that practiced all the way up through most of church history when in the Middle Ages, many people could not read Latin, but they sang. And so it was a way of communicating biblical ideas uh, to your layperson. And so there's a good reason that the early church did this. Now, what we sing today 
still impacts our theology because there is a lot of theology, good, bad, or otherwise, in today's modern worship music. And so what I want to do today is give you three guidelines for filtering the lyrics that you sing both in and out of church, whether you're just listening in your car or at home or whether it's a corporate time of worship. Three things to think about. The first is your filter should be set for unbiblical lyrics. So what do I mean by unbiblical? Well, I'll give you an example. There are songs out there that talk about breathing the Holy Spirit in or the Holy Spirit floating around in the atmosphere and sort of being almost, I don't know, in a weird way, almost like swam through or just that we're just sitting in this great big spirit bathtub (laughs) of the Holy Spirit. It's weird. Uh, And part of the reason it's weird is because it's unbiblical. That is not how the Holy Spirit is. That is not how the Holy Spirit functions within the church. And we know biblically that the Holy Spirit resides within the believer, not outside of us in some sort of way that he can be breathed in as if he's a particle of dust or, or something floating around in the room. So that's an unbiblical idea, and we shouldn't sing unbiblical ideas because they teach us things about God and ourselves that are simply not the case. Another category to think about when filtering the the words that we sing or listen to wouldn't be unbiblical lyrics. It would just be non-biblical lyrics. Now, I'm not saying this with regard or reference to secular music. Obviously, that's going to be non-biblical content. But what I'm saying is within the context of something that is supposed to be a worship song that points us to God, that glorifies God, that teaches some sort of truth about who he is or what he has done, singing songs that effectively don't say anything at the end of the day, but that just rather convey this general or vague feeling about God, I think should be avoided. And the reason for that is is there there are songs out there, I shared one with the youth a few weeks ago, where we looked at the lyrics together, and at the end of the, the time, I said, so what is this song saying? And really, all they could come up with is, well, it seems like the song is just saying that bad things happen, and we should trust God. And I said, well, yeah, that that's true, but man, if I'm going to dedicate so- time to a song and listening to a song, is that really the best that we can do, or can we do more? So when it comes to these kinds of songs, you only have so much time. And so I would argue that we would do well to be a little more scrutinizing of how we spend our time, our limited time, listening to supposed worship songs that really aren't saying anything. They're just sort of emoting about us or about God. We can do better. And then the last category is one of my favorites because, man, is it awkward? Especially men. If you are a man and you have ever sang a song that has to do with lyrics about touching Jesus, feeling Jesus, being wrapped up in Jesus's warm embrace, or anything else that makes your skin crawl as a dude, because there is a sensual or even, dare I say, sexual undertone to some of these songs, it should be avoided. And I would put songs like this broadly into a category of Jesus is my boyfriend. These are songs that 
usually utilize copious amounts of the word you instead of actually saying Jesus or God or Lord or Savior. And if you took them out of the context of church and just played them in a coffee shop, most people who heard the song would think that it was a love song to a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's not good. That is not how our relationship is framed or that we should conceive of our relationship with Jesus. So all that said, is there any hope? Are there any songs out there that pass the test? I think that there are plenty, and I want to share one example. I'm going to quote for you a chorus from a song called White as Snow. All my sins like scarlet will be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they will be as wool. Now, I would like to read for you Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, which says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you're ever unsure about the lyrics that you're singing, I would just advise that uh, there's never anything wrong with some good old-fashioned sanctified plagiarism. You're never going to go wrong singing scripture or singing something that is very, very, very close to scripture. 